I went to school, I cooked, and I cleaned. We had dinner parties, but in the end, none of it worked because while we had the administrative part of it down, we were missing the creative. I didn't work. It didn't work because in the end, there were no words, no ongoing dialogues, no private jokes between us. And for many people, the absence of the language is not enough reason to end a marriage, but for me, it was primarily the reason to do it. I know this. I didn't know it then, and this is why I couldn't run home to her, to my mother, who had, I'm sure, worked through and across silences to sustain her partnership with my father. The bottom line was, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't running from, for my life from some kind of monster or a batterer or a raging alcoholic. I was running from a man everybody loved, a man I loved. And this was why things got blamed on me. I had been stabilized, been destabilized. I had destabilized, I'm sorry, my own life. And then had the audacity to want sympathy, a shoulder, someone to have empathy, a helping hand. I couldn't stay in school. I couldn't stay in a marriage. I didn't have a job. So where could I stay? Who could I love? Who could I do? What goal could I meet? In the middle of, of the night, these questions would bang in my head. They would bang like thick lead pipes against the sides of my dreams. Bang and bang and bang until I awoke. I awoke in fear, sadness, isolation. I wanted to live my life again. I wanted to be important to someone again. I wanted to be accepted by someone. My parents' disappointment and my husband's disinterest, those things pushed and pricked like a thousand tiny pins, menacing the soles of my feet. Wherever I walked, the pain the rejection, what I translated as their rejection, it would it would consume my life. I suspected I was like a sideshow act, that or else an obvious failure, and I didn't know how not to be these things. How not to appear freakish. How not to be an outcast in the eyes of my family. And yes, the eyes of men. That's the way breakups always seem to leave me. Especially at first. Feeling undesirable, unlovable, and ugly. It was then no one single thing. But this terrific twister of loss and need. That carried me into loving Rashid. For a year or more, he had been constantly inviting me up to the prison to be a part of their various cultural heritage shows. And I had gone each time. I brought two two young men with me. And I knew with me to do a hip-hop poetry. 
one of the young men, a brother with a beautiful, sharp, car face, stepped up to the mic. His tiny dread stood firm on the top of his head, and it seemed like he was looking at everyone in the audience all at once. Me, the prisoner, the police, everyone. And then he said, I would never forget this. Feed the rage of my warrior's wrath as I pave a path of resistance. I want to put a head out now. As soon as those words hit the earth, the stage was surrounded by more police than I had ever seen at one time before, since, in a prison. All right, all right, that's it, one of the police officers said. As we were told, we were going to have to leave the facility attempting to start a riot. Before we were shoved out, I gave Rashid my phone number. If we were being put out, I thought, what would they do to Rashid since he invited us up there? Call me, I told him. I closed his hand around the tiny scrap of paper I had scribbled my number on. Call me if they give you any trouble because of this. Weeks, eight, maybe nine passed between the incident and the first time. I will answer my phone and hear what has now become an urgent and familiar recording. You have a collect call from Rashid, an inmate at the correctional facility. If you wish to decline the call, hang up to accept it. Press three now. And I did it. I pressed three. In every part of my life, how I think, how I love, how I set priorities, what I pray for, what I treasure, what angers me, what I appreciate, how I organize my time, my money, every little thing in my life, and every big thing changed. And it changed before I had to seek consultation or ask the question. It changed. It changed before I had a chance to pause, reconsider, or run. (laughs) This is the way you court a poet. The weeks that led up to our first visit are now a blur of breathy phone calls and intense bi-weekly letters. I told my girlfriends, the ones who had asked me about Rashid, Managed to how he managed to romance me completely through initial changes. I told them that it was those letters that had me hooked. I told him that no woman had ever gotten a love letter until they'd gotten a love letter from a man in prison. Unlike my friends who have, who have lovers who range who range of feeling, they said orbited within these two spheres, anger. And lust. Rashid sweated over his emotion. Every bit of it, I told them. He doesn't hold back on me the way so many men do. All of Rashid's concerns and fears met the paper about machismos with a particular urgency. Baby, I called you last night. Where were you? Or Asha. I didn't want to love you like this because I'm afraid you'll leave me later, too, but I can't help it. 
you're so sweet. But most often he said, Mama, if I could just hold you right now, if I could just touch you. Woo! Rashid was not a beautiful writer. No singing metaphors, no high art, but he was expressive. He was honest and clear. He was vulnerable and so spiritually generous. Rashid gave me something I never had until we became involved. I'd never been romance, surprise gifts, gooey cards, sappy words, and never been mad. When I fell in love with Rashid already, I had been married and had also lived with boyfriends, but still, I was sure that that romance was for girls. Delicate girls. The girls who I knew all throughout high school, who, ho- who heard their names called out over the radio. That's Ebony Eyes going out to meet Yvonne from Michael and all of his love always and forever. At 25, when Rashid sent me my first love letter, he dedicated a song by Luther Vandross to me in it. Maybe another woman my age would have thought that gesture was corny or juvenile, but I cried. I thought it was like oxygen. When Rashid wrote, he wrote me about my eyes. My eyes are hazel brown. And I'm a chameleon. They change colors. He said they were the most sexy, intimate, bedroom eyes. He said they were dangerous eyes. At least dangerous for men, he said. No one had ever commented much on what my eyes look like. Who sees your eyes when you're 14 years old with a double D cut breast? <laughs> or 22 for the matter. Who looks at your eyes? The first time Rashid told me that he thought my eyes was one of my most beautiful features, I was insulted. I didn't know if that was a compliment. I thought compliments could only be about legs, breasts, butts, and hips. Let me tell you, that man courted me, honey. All soft words and pure desires. No hidden agendas, no games, no emotional retardation. Only reverence and passion from behind all that stone and concrete. That still had razor wire. It was out of the movie. It was epic. Romance. The way Rashid loved. The way he wanted to be loved and return. To this very day, his approach licks itself around my waist, tender and without aggression. To this day, Rashid is unhurted, allowing me to direct the movements and pace, but always letting me know he is open all the way and ready for whatever I offer and whatever I offer him. No one I am not exaggerating, y'all. No one ever treated me like that. A woman who ought to be handled with care.
I used to harass the mailman during the first few months. I used to stand there staring over at him as he dropped the letters and the bills and magazines into other people's mailboxes. Slowly making his way down the mag, I would sigh at him. Dramatic and heavy. I would shift from one foot to the other real heavy. And when he did finally get to me, I would snatch the mail out of his hand and nearly knock him over as I pushed past him to race up the steps to my apartment. Once back home, I would throw with disgust all of my roommates' mail aside along with anything that came from me, which, which was not clearly stamped Eastern Correctional Facility. It was a ridiculous ritual. I never even read Rashid's letters until late hours of the night when it was dark, long into the night. I wanted to be sure I wouldn't be interrupted by a roommate or a telephone call. All those years later, I haven't changed this practice. You have to understand, Rashid's letters were like dates. I have to get myself ready. I have to give give them their proper space. Before I read his letter, I take a long mango scented bag with oatmeal in it. And before I read his letters, I burn white candles around the edge of the tub and sandalwood incense. And I serenade myself with some Nina Simone song. Do I move you? Are you willing? After when I'm dried and oiled and stretched out, when I've made a cup of chamomile tea, and when I'm dressed in something silk and loose, I can bite Rashid in. Come in. And he does. And we sit for a while, we speak softly, and then we rise and decide to go out. To breathe the night air together. In those letters, Rashid and I take long walks across the Brooklyn Bridge holding hands. Those letters, they are easy discussions over dinner. They're whispers on the slow blue light dance floor. They are 3 a.m. pillow talk. They are embraces. I crave those letters. I dream by them. They assure me that after an unsteady or an unforgiving night that morning will come. And morning always comes. In the very beginning of our exchanges, Rashid also and what I'm sure was an attempt to validate and provide context and history of our relationship, lift whole paragraphs out of Soledad Brothers. And when he didn't lift words, he lifted arguments until I finally complained. I told him that it didn't work for him to write as though he was George Jackson, Jackson or Angela Davis, but it was romantic, I told him. But we had a responsibility to be honest about ourselves at this particular juncture in time. We didn't really have skills to develop theory that could liberate 
all black people. But one day, I could see it. One day. But this day, today, it was just about us. Which sounded so selfish, I know. I cringed when I said it. Still, if I was certain of anything, I was certain that we had to begin to learning how to love ourselves first. Love ourselves first. Love ourselves fully first. If we can manage to do that, Without codependence or control issues. We really might become useful to other black people. I said. Maybe even useful to the world. Wow.